The following presentation of Cowboy State Politics is brought to you unedited and in its entirety by the generous sponsors of Cowboy State Politics. The Buffalo Wool Company, they make the most incredible socks that you'll ever wear. New Trend Hats, the Wyoming-based hat company that makes those really cool hats with the ponytail hole on the back of them. And Morton Buildings, the experts in metal building construction. Give them a call if you've been thinking about a building for your property, 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the property tax forum that was put on by Representative Barry Crago and Johnson County Commissioner Bill Novotny. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight for this uh, informational session on the Wyoming property tax structure. Uh, we're going to open up to Ashley Harp Street here just in a moment uh, to walk through that. And then Representative Crago and I will take questions after her presentation. So uh, we would ask that you uh, sit back, enjoy her presentation. We're very, very fortunate. Ashley was in uh, Sheridan for the Joint Revenue Committee. Uh, tomorrow she'll be presenting to the Sheridan Chamber of Commerce. And so she was nice enough to uh, honor our request to come over and make the same presentation that she'll be doing for them. So uh, can we please give her a warm Johnson County welcome. Maximum? We would prefer 15. This is a town How about hall. this? It, it's our town hall. No one it's our it. town hall. No, no, it's not. It was instigated by our request. No, Marion, we asked Ashley to come. And you can wait. It's, it's our town hall. I'm hosting it, and William's so hosting it. Will be ours. That's fine. You can ask whatever question you want, we want to make sure we have when Ashley's done. To ask the question. Yep. Please take your seat. Ashley's going to go ahead and present. And if you don't, hold on, folks. If you don't, we'll have you escorted out. Thank you. Oh, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I'll try to make this very quick. What I'm here to do today is just set up the tax structure for you so you can understand uh, the way the revenues come into the state and how it's spent, and I'll leave the policy questions to the experts after this. But just so you know who we are, Wyoming Taxpayers Association has been around since 1937. Uh, we advocate for sound tax policy for a healthy Wyoming economy. Uh, we also uh, have a research arm that's a 501c3. It's Wyoming Taxpayers Foundation. I'm lucky enough to have one of your own. Uh, Seth Belbeck is my research intern that's a, a UW economics major. So we do, everything we do is just data driven that we pull from lots of different areas um, in the state's uh, databases because it's, it's kind of hard to find everything in one place. Um, our membership is diverse. It's everything from a private citizen to uh, uh, ranch, rancher, corporations, cooperatives, elected officials, uh, we take any and everyone who wants to talk taxes. Everything we do is based off our cornerstones of taxation. Uh, we, uh, when we look at policy, we see is it justified, is it equitable, is it stable, is it transparent for us to make a decision. One of the things to understand about our tax structure is knowing where we've been. Um, in 2000, uh, uh, since, well, since the inception of the severance tax in the 1970s, Wyoming's tax structure has been beholden to the boom and bust nature of our commodity structure. 
By the late 1990s, the writing was on the wall and we had major deficits and rising costs of education. So in uh, 97, after working with Governor Jim Geringer's office, we created a discussion on Wyoming's tax structure for our annual meeting. Uh, and through that, we thought about if we were to start from scratch, kind of like we're having the discussions today, if we wanted to press a reset on our tax structure, what would it look like? And um, after that meeting, the legislature decided to continue that conversation and create a group called Tax Reform 2000, and they studied the tax structure. And from that study, they realized our tax structure is inequitable, uh, it's unstable, and it lacks balance. And at the time, our primary tax uh, source was 75% uh, based off of property taxes, mineral severance taxes, and sales and use taxes, all from the minerals industry. So if you fast forward today, this is what it looks like. We're very fortunate we do not have an individual or corporate income tax, so we primarily re rely on uh, property tax and sales tax. Um, I'm going to break down the property tax for you here in a second, but uh, as of last year, it was 52% of our income. Uh, general sales tax is 33%. Um, under property tax, I, I have just updated this for uh, the year, the calendar year 2022 from the Tax Foundation. We rank number 34 for our effective uh, property tax rate. Uh, for general sales tax, we're uh, number 44. Um, we also are lucky to have a severance tax, which equates for 9% of our revenues that come in. And then other taxes that sometimes get the bigger headlines are fuel taxes, all the sin taxes, insurance premium tax, franchise tax and wind generation tax that equates for about 6% of our revenue. So for uh, sales tax, you can see our totals from the last year. 70% of that is collected by the state um, and goes to the state for the general fund. There's a 1% piece on um, the local piece and the state piece that goes to administrative of the tax. But you can see uh, what we generally raise in the sales tax. Um, we have four cents statewide, so that means every county has a four cent tax. And then after that, there's a general purpose tax. 21 of the 23 counties uh, vote to have that on uh, their purchases. And so the only two that aren't in general purpose is park and sublet. And then 15 counties decide to put on a specific purpose, so that uh, could be for a building or for some community plan of a specific purpose of why you want to tax yourselves. There's 15 counties on that. And then a municipal purpose was put on two years ago. That's another penny that uh, the municipality can put on. And at this time, no one has implemented that tax. There's a resort district tax, and those are both in Teton County and Targhee and um, Grand Teton. So they have a three cent additional tax. And then there's an economic development tax that you can leverage in um, increments of a quarter of a penny up to a penny. And only two counties do that at this time. Uh, one is Goshen County has a 0.25 tax and then Fremont County has a 0.5 tax. Uh, all of this is available online on wyotax.org under publications and reports. And you can see um, in the Wyoming tax summary, it lists all the, the counties that have it if you're interested, because I don't have the 15 memorized. Okay, so property tax, which I know that you're all very interested to talk about today, so I'm gonna get through this quickly. Um, the mineral production, so of that 52% that of, our, of our tax structure, this is the pie for that. So of the 52%, 
45% is mineral production. 31% uh, last year was created uh, from residential property tax. And then the rest was from industrial, uh, locally assessed, and then industrial state assessed. Locally assessed means your county assesses those industrial properties. And then the state assessed are things like railroads or big industrial properties that go over several counties. So that's another 7%, but in total, your industrial commercial properties are 15%, and then your commercial properties, 8%, and ag lands equate for 1% of the total property tax. So the important thing, I think, as you continue your policy discussion of how it's used is really important. And it is a local, property tax is a local tax. 69% of the taxes levied go to schools. Uh, and that's a mandatory mill that's constitutionally bound by 25 mills on everybody's property tax. The rest of the property tax goes to county governments is 17%. The special districts, which um, every county has different special districts. It's what you decide to ballot and put on yourself. 4% goes to the uh, community college, colleges and 2% goes to cities and towns. And again, if you go to yotax.org under publications and reports, there's a Wyoming uh, property taxation book that you can look up Johnson County and see exactly what your special districts are, how much it levies, and how much like unassigned cash you have, how much your revenues are, and where it all goes. So, uh, food for thought on the cost of services, uh, what we do with our tax dollars. According to um, uh, Wyoming uh, Department of uh, Economic Analysis, which is a state organization, um, for the average uh, family, and this is all based on medians, you might not relate on one end or the other, but this is the median values. Uh, so there's um, the median number of a family unit for the state is three-person family with an income of 67,000, owning a home valued at 290,000. This is based off the 2021's data because they're always a, uh, a, couple, uh, a couple of years in the rear, the way that they collect the data. So I imagine this will go up after this last year. Um, but the average family pay, uh, pays $3,990 in taxes uh, for the state, and they get about $27,550 back out in services. And that's based, the deficit there is paid by our friends in the minerals industry. So what does this mean for uh, economic development? Well, your former legislator, uh, um, Mike Madden, wondered about that. And at the um, Joint Revenue Committee, he studied the tax structure and looked at uh, what it would cost through Remy, which is an, uh, another economic analysis group that's um, uh, Regional Economic Models Incorporated, they presented fiscal impacts of the economic diversification under Wyoming's uh, current tax structure to the Joint Revenue Committee. And so the only point we're trying to explain here is, is if you look at um, four different industries, the oil and gas industry versus chemical manufacturing industry, a utility industry, and food manufacturing industry, in Wyoming, the only way that our revenues outpace our expenditures is in the oil and gas industry. For every other industry, if we bring on 100 people, the cost of services cost us money, just the way our tax structure is set up. Um, we compared it against other states that have similar economies, Utah, North Dakota, and Kentucky, and all of, uh, the way their tax structures were, the revenues outpace the expenditures. 
So the last slide is, is understanding where our revenues were and um, where they're going. We got all my arrows on there. So you can see the bar graphs are the revenues and then you can see the appropriations. Um, we're still waiting you know, to finish out the biennium for 2023, 2024. And so after COVID, um, they appropriated about 3.1 billion, but then they cut 500 million in the 2021 general session and it brought it back down. And then this last year um, for the supplemental budget, they put it back on to about 3.2 billion. And you can see where the, we'll see where the revenues come in for the next slide. But that's just a snapshot real quick of the finances of the state. And then I'm gonna leave the policy questions to my friends here. Thank you, Ashley. Hope that helped everybody kind of get a bigger picture of what our tax system looks like in Wyoming. And so now, uh, Commissioner Motney and I would like to entertain questions from everybody and anybody. Um, I guess a couple ground rules, what we were hoping to do is try to hear from everybody and we knew there'd be a lot of people here. And so if we could, if you want to make a comment, that's great. If you want to make a statement, that's fine. If you want to ask us a question, we're here to answer those. Um, but what I was hoping to do is get through everybody that wants to. So if you could, when you come down to the mic, just introduce yourself, um, tell us where you're from, and then um, try to limit your, if you're gonna make a statement, try to limit it to around five minutes um, so that we can get through everybody in the room. And then after that, if, you, if we get through everybody and somebody wants to speak again and come back and say whatever else they have to say, we keep doing that until, until we, I think we have the auditorium until eight o'clock, so. Um, Whoever wants to, come on down and just tell us who you're asking the question to as well, whether it's the Commissioner Novotny or myself. So if it's a county, if it's a Johnson County question, send it to Bill. If it's a legislature question, send it to me. Thanks. Just for my own understanding, when she was talking about the uh, the, you can pull that off of the standing. Oh, I said, boy. Just from my understanding, when she was talking about revenue versus expenditures, and she stated those states, Kentucky. I don't remember which other ones were, and and most of them, the the revenue outpaced or met the expenditures. I guess. Can you tell me of those states? I had this all straight in my mind. Per capita, how do they compare per capita? as far as the taxes co collected 
if the if the if the <laughs> I'm afraid I'm gonna make a fool of myself because I can't remember my question. How how that they compare to Wyoming per capita, and I don't. It's it's the oh I can't remember the size of government that accounts for the expenditures of the state. How does the size of government compare per capita to Wyoming versus those other states? I think Ashley is going to answer one question because it's a fact question, not policy. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I have a really quick resource for you. So if you go to wyotax.org, and under publications, there's a Wyoming tax summary, and you can see how Wyoming compares, and you can see there's a per capita note. The, the reason that we differ in that last slide is because their tax structure is set up different. Ours is very unique because we rely on a commodity-based industry to pay our taxes. And so if it's not in that sector, uh, that's why it costs us money to bring in other sectors. Does that make sense? Because like 53% of our taxes are paid by the mineral industry. So if another sector comes in, they're not paying the same amount of taxes to educate our kids. Basically, that's the most expensive thing we have to do. I guess my question would be then, I'm really trying to get to the, we're talking about expenditures versus revenue. Regardless of where the revenue comes in, that's not my question. My, my, my question is really, what accounts for the expenditures sure. and 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 which i'm just going to call government in sure. general and the size of government in general and how that compares how wyoming compares to those other states okay so there is a um how we how we expend and the how wyoming compares and you could go look at those individual states so that's kentucky north dakota utah i think that was the three um, in North Dakota, because North Dakota is an energy-driven state, is where you could go look that up. So I'm sorry I don't have that handy. Another person you guys could have back is Mike Madden, who studied it very closely. I, I, I don't know. Is he here? Yes. Oh, come on up, Chairman. Maybe you could speak better to it. Okay, he doesn't want to talk about it. All right. So you can see it in our book of how the their revenues and expenditures are. So I think I might be able to answer a few of these questions because I was on the Wyoming Taxpayer Association um, website for the last couple of days. So my name is Chris Williams, a uh, resident here in Buffalo. I've been here about two and a half years. Um, some of you guys may have uh, been handed uh, this document. That I'd like to just take a minute and I'll try to honor as best I can the five minute limit and 
guys are happy to kick me out if I go too long. Um, so the second page is called Johnson County FY24 property taxes of the two handouts that you got. So before, before I answer a couple of the questions that I think Jeff had, and hope, Jeff, you let me know if these don't answer your questions. Um, Commissioner Devotny, I'd like to focus on the, the high-level proposal that a few of us would like to make um, that maybe you guys consider taking into account for the FY24 budget around property tax mills that are assessed in Johnson County by the special districts. I was glad to see the slide from Ashley that talked about the power of a penny. The, uh, this proposal is actually nine-tenths of a penny, so even less. Under this proposal, Johnson County taxpayers will still pay $50 million in taxes in FY24. And those numbers come from Johnson County audits, um, Johnson County financial statements, and the Wyoming State Department of Revenue. And, and there's a slide in here that shows that, shows that breakout of $50 million. And Commissioner, I'm not trying to turn my back on you, so please forgive me. Under this proposal, Johnson County taxpayers would still pay $1.2 million more in overall property taxes in FY24. So if you look at page two, the concept of this proposal is everybody needs to sacrifice. There's two parties in this transaction. There's the taxpayer and the government. And this proposal says that both sides have to ante up. Nobody's saying that anybody's going to be quote, unquote, getting money back, unfortunately. Johnson County, though, would receive $1 million less in FY24, and that's Fair Library Museum. So I'm, I'm looking at this just as Johnson County, the county, and then the three entities that are underneath that or a part of that. The median Johnson County homeowner would still pay $100, $105 more in their residential property taxes rather than $416 more. To understand the proposal, like I said, you gotta understand the current situation of the taxpayer and the current situation of the government. And I'm gonna to get to that in just a minute. I'm gonna try and answer just questions here. So if you go to page four, according to the Wyoming Taxpayer Association and the United States Census Bureau, Wyoming state and local government revenues in FY21, so the 2022 report, were $3.1 billion. So I'm on page four right now. And all of the taxes that went to that $3.1 billion are in the really small font in the right-hand corner there. So property, sales, cigarette, alcohol, you go on down the list. You divide that number by the number of people in Wyoming, that's $5,563 per person in revenue. I do take exception with this notion that we get things free here because of our quote-unquote friends in the mineral industry. If anybody thinks that you're not paying that tax through the price that they recovered through their goods, I don't know what to say. So they're understating the number that you pay maybe in direct taxes, but when you take into account indirect taxes through the prices you pay, it's $22,252 for a family of four. 
Wyoming, according to the Wyoming Taxpayer Association website, is the 18th highest tax revenue per person in the country. We keep company with New York, California, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Massachusetts. If you divide $22,252 by $58,000, which is the median income in Johnson County, which is 17% below the Wyoming median, you get a 38% tax burden. The Wyoming tax burden by the state is almost 33%, so we're higher tax burden in Johnson County than Wyoming. Tax burden is a percentage of taxpayer income spent on taxes. The only state, so if Johnson County were a state, we'd be the fifth highest taxed state in terms of tax burden in the country, behind New York, North Dakota, Connecticut, and Maine. These are Wyoming Taxpayer Association numbers, not my numbers. And I've given you the page numbers and the reports that you can look at. Conclusion, does Johnson County want to keep company with the following states? So on the high tax side, we're keeping company with California, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, etc. So I moved here from the East Coast a couple years ago to get away from this nonsense. I don't want Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. I moved to Wyoming because Wyoming's unique. Low income. So the $58,000 in median income in this, in this county, we would be either ninth or 10th. Mississippi, West Virginia, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, Kentucky. So we're the county of high taxes and low income. Again, these are Wyoming Taxpayer Association numbers and U.S. Census numbers. All right, I'm going to skip ahead in the interest of time. I'm going to take you to page 12, which is a summary of the current situation between the county and the taxpayers. And some of the details on page 12 are led into in a couple of the previous pages. So in Johnson County, life could not be better. Tax revenue, $50 million, property, sales, mineral severance, cigarette, and gas taxes, plus everything else that was on the list earlier. Operating reserves, there's nearly $50 million in cash, receivables, and investments sitting in the county checking accounts and investment accounts. The county could stop taking in every penny tomorrow and still operate for four years on what they have in reserves. Yep, so to understand the proposal, you have to understand the current situation, and I'm going to get to it on the next slide. Okay, if you want to understand the proposal, you have to understand the current situation. Because the proposal is, let's give less money than we were planning on, just to give people relief. Okay? Yes, sir. Sorry, I just have a quick question. Yes, sir. Um, on the tax revenue and the operating reserves, the 50.7 and the 49.4, does that include all the special districts or is? It's a great question. Yep, so the 50.7 is um, all of the property taxes that come 
either that come from the county either back to the school district or back to the county or back to the special district so i think if you go to page nine it'll answer your question 33 percent of that 50 million actually goes to the state 67 percent actually comes back to the either the county the fair board, the special districts, or the school district. So page nine, upper right-hand corner would answer your question. And then the reserves, um, I'm pretty sure it was just the county that did not include fair library museums. So that 49 million is um, lower if you include fair library museum, okay? Thank you. All right, and then on the taxpayer side, so life's good for the county, at least in my mind. Taxpayer side, 38% tax burden, only four states are higher. We have the sixth highest residential property tax burden in Wyoming. We have the eighth highest overall property tax burden in Wyoming. We have about 40% of the residents in this county that are either unemployed or on fixed income. I would imagine that most of us, if we lost our job tomorrow, could probably last three to six months in savings before we had to get a job versus the four years for the county. All right, so way forward, page 13. A way forward where everybody sacrifices. 33% mill reduction. So like um, Ashley mentioned, a lot of the mills that get charged in the state are mandatory for, for the schools. 43, 43 mills out of the 70 or so mills are mandatory, not 25. So that leaves about 27 mills that are discretionary. Now I'm, I'm suggesting decrease it from 27 to 18. So the school board on page 13, no change in what we're talking about for them. They're still gonna get their money. Discretionary bills for recreation and the Board of Education remain unchanged. Johnson County would, and, and this is just a, a line in the sand, right? These are just, this is just an idea. This is an idea, not the idea. Johnson County would reduce the mills from 12 to seven and a half. Special districts would take the other four and a half and spread it across proportionally to the other special districts, or all the special districts. In the middle there, total property tax revenues would still go up. So you guys would still have to pay a million dollars more instead of $5 million more. No change to the school district. Johnson County would go down a million. Buffalo and Casey, I didn't make any assumption there. Special districts would go down a million and the median homeowner would still have to pay more. It would mean a million dollar impact on the combined budgets of Johnson County, the fair, the library, and the museum. In light of the pressure being put on household budgets, budgets, is it unreasonable to ask Johnson County to reduce its budget? Just something to consider. And then the last page, and I'll get out of the way, and I appreciate um, everybody's patience. Would you like to handle? Can you borrow your handle? There you go. Sorry. Thank you. So how might that million dollars be broken now? And again, this is just an idea. I'm not, I'm not the budget expert on the Johnson County budget. These are just some things that I've been able to, to glean from looking at the budgets and the audits over the last couple of weeks. 
So from a pension perspective, can we reduce the excess pension that's going to the county and the um, Fair Library and Museum uh, employees versus what's going to the law enforcement employees? Right now we're um, compensating or undercompensating law enforcement relative to the other employees in the county. From a fair board perspective, can we increase the event fees and the parking admission, et cetera? And right now we're only getting $220 per event at the fairground. They generate $55,000 a year. But if you take out the rodeo, the fair, the sponsorships, et cetera, and taxes, well, we're getting $55,000 a year in income from the 250 events that take place at the fair. Can we start generating more income from the fairgrounds and forego some portion of that $418,000 in tax that we get to them every year? Jeff, I think this also answers your next question, or one of your questions. Did you know, according to the Wyoming Taxpayer Association, Wyoming has the third highest state and local government expenditures per person in the country. Eight? No, this is per person. So $72,000 in expense. This is their number. You can talk to hey, Ashley. Mr. Williams? Yes, sir. Uh, maybe we can get to somebody else. Uh, just yep. We've been going for about 15 yep. minutes. And I, I don't want to stop you, but... Um, no, it's fine. Okay, I'll keep... Everybody raise your hand again because I'm going to write them down. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's Perfect. No, I'm, I'm actually done in just a minute. Um, so, yeah, so the, but the ideas are here on page 14. Um, I'm done. I, I apologize. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bill, for considering this. Um, as you know, we'll probably come back to the budget meeting in July and at least ask you guys to consider incorporating some version of this into the FY24 budget. So. That was a lot of information. I'm going to touch on just a couple of things, uh, just to clarify quickly. But I also want to just share a little bit of perspective here, uh, because those of us who are sitting up here, those of us that are, whether we're county employees or elected officials, we're also Johnson County taxpayers too. And let me tell you a little bit about my situation. In 19, uh, excuse me, 2013, I was fortunate enough, man, please don't snicker, that's not nice. 2013, I was very fortunate to purchase my home, paid $92,000 for it. Uh, that is the American dream right there. I'm feeling the property, uh, the property tax pinch as much as you are. My taxes went up 30% last year, and they're scheduled to go up 36% this year. So we are feeling it too. Uh, but with that, we also realize that there are critical services that we have to provide. And what I am gonna contribute in my property taxes, as you saw from the previous slide, doesn't compare to the level of services that I'm gonna take. Um, in regards to the special districts, the commissioners really only have uh, line item or veto authority on two of the special district budgets. Uh, I would also remind you that all of the special districts that we have in this county, which does push our overall tax rate a little bit higher than our surrounding counties have all been voted on and approved by the citizens of this county. The one exception would be the one mill that the property tax that is levied for the uh, recreation district that the school board is allowed to approve independently. 
that money from that record mill is paying for these microphones that we're talking in. And we're in an auditorium that was paid for with a special assessment on people's property taxes before the state came in uh, and, and took over in the funding model. Uh, in regards to law enforcement, I do want to just set this uh, uh, record straight on pensions. Uh, county employees and law enforcement employees all participate in the state retirement system. Uh, law enforcement is on one pension system that is separate and different from all other county employees. So we are not underfunding one or, or playing uh, winners and losers there. If you look at the operating budget of the county, uh, law enforcement uh, is close to 20%. And I, anytime that the sheriff has asked for something, we've done our best to make sure that he has it. Uh, the major other component of that budget uh, in the operating side is, is road and bridge. And we all know that we need to be able to get where we need to go. Um, we certainly, Jeff, and Mr. Williams, I'm sorry, Jeff Carmichael asked the first question, Mr. Williams asked the second. We will do everything we can to keep property taxes as low as possible. But I also have county employees that for five years were frozen uh, in their current salaries. We eliminated positions. When I first came into office, the valuation of this county was 950 million. They added two buildings uh, and countless other property acquisitions. And now I'm trying how to pay for all of those things with half of the tax uh, revenue. Uh, I do want to also clarify a little bit of uh, discussion on the reserves because I took your last handout from your presentation and took it down to the treasurer's office and had her try to decipher it. And in reality, uh, Johnson County only has 31.7 million in reserves. 6.641 of those are in what are considered perpetual funds. Those are specifically reserve accounts. The largest of those is the Lake DeSmith Reserve Account. Uh, most of that money in that account is originally from a game and fish lease for recreation, and then it has been added to with mineral industry revenue and interest that the corpus of that account has generated. Uh, all the others are about 25 million. Uh, it gets down to little things. We have a reserve account for Harold Gerard Park in KC. Every dollar that they bring in in membership goes into that reserve account. So I can't just rob from certain things. Uh, within that balance is also the gasoline tax, which has specific statutory things that we are allowed to do with it. So I would just caution uh, making broad assumptions about what they are. Stop by the treasurer's counter and visit with her about what is in the reserves. Uh, thank you. Um, so 32 million, 49, the 49 million actually comes from the Johnson County FY22 audited financial statements. So, and Carla thinks that the way you arrived at that from there is mm. included the operating budget into the reserves. I'm not going to argue with you right now. We're going to let this next lady ask her question because she has two bites of the apple. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, my I, it's a pretty simple question. I just became informed that there is uh, thoughts or maybe legislation to amend our cons Wyoming Constitution or to create another tier in the tax brackets so that they're not tax brackets, but the tax left. Yes. So that they separate the businesses from the property so that the residential property is has its own tier. 
And I know as we own a business property and we have our residents, our residential uh, increase was huge this last year. Our, prop our business property was minimal. It was one-fifth as much as our residential. And that does seem unfair to be locked into the same tier as Walmart. So property, <coughs> residential property, I'm just... Um, wanted to state this, I didn't know about it. I just happened to have a customer inform me by chance yesterday. It was just a fluke. And uh, it just seems, I, I just wanted to bring this up and just want you to know, County Commissioner and Senator, was it? Or Representative, um, that I would be watching for that, definitely. And I'll be talking about it to people because it just does not seem fair. It isn't fair in our taxes. And um, I can't see it being fair for somebody who is on a fixed income and, you know, yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense. So that's, that's all I have, so. Well, thank you for the question slash comment. Uh, the, the legislature did pass a proposed constitutional amendment to separate out residential. Right now, there are three classes of property. The constitutional amendment would create a separate class of property for residential only. And the idea is exactly what you're talking about, is so that the legislature could lower their rates for residential and manage that essentially different than all the other types of, types of property. Commissioner Gavadney, Representative Craigo. My name is Robert Garrison, and I'm a resident, and I appreciate all the uh, neighbors being here, and you guys as neighbors. I have a couple of comments and then two questions, if I squeeze it in quick enough. The first comment is, as we look at uh, property tax as an issue and budget, we're trying to eat the elephant all at one time. You could slash budget to nothing, and the taxes would still be coming in. So we've got to fix one problem before we, and the other problem we can fix every day, every year by staying within budget and those type of things. We've got to fix the property tax. My biggest concern is for seniors, but also for um, single parents, you know, people on a fixed income, those things that, those people who cannot pay their taxes are in jeopardy of losing it. And yes, there are people that are willing to step up and help them, but the big problem is what's happening with our property taxes. And a lot of us, blame it on, gee, my neighbor's house sold for five times what it was bought for two years ago. Well, that's only part of the problem. If you understand what's really happening, the fair market value that's used, and you look in uh, the Constitution, it just says that it'll be fair. Statutes say there'll be a fair market, and the legislature actually delegated that calculation to the Department of Revenue. It's not controlled by the legislature. It can be. But what is happening and what we don't realize is that you take a, a friend's house, and I've talked to lots of people in the city and the county. They live in a 100-year-old house. It's got single-pane glass, and it freezes up over the winter. Every year, though, the assessment for far, fair market value is based on what would it cost to build that square footage with comparable-type things today in terms of dormers and this new E35 glass, 
and it's gone outrageous. That's where our biggest change comes from. You think back three, four years ago, a sheet of plywood was 20 bucks. For a time, it was 100. That's what's driven it. The actual increase from the sales is a trend analysis to say what should be done to that recalculated price. The fair market value of my home isn't a million dollars if I only built it for 100,000 20 years ago. That's the first problem. The second is that how are these prices calculated? And this one I wish uh, our assessor was part of this asking because I intend to. That is that this fair market book, and I can't remember the name of the publisher that goes into the canvas system, the, uh, the mass assessment. Marshall and Smith. Swift, thank you. There's not a copy that's generated for Johnson County. There are copies for Sheridan County, Natrona County, and Campbell County, and the assessor isn't allowed to choose the one he uses. But they haven't done an analysis of which one should be used. So there's a potential that, let's face it, Sheridan probably pays higher cost of goods, i.e. supply and demand, than Natrona or Gillette. If they used a different book, it might provide some measure of change to Johnson County in particular. The first question that I have goes back to what can we do to protect the people who are really suffering because they cannot keep up with 30% increases three years in a row when they've got limited increases in Social Security, maybe no pensions. So to Commissioner Novotny, uh, what has the commissioners, uh, Board of Commissioners done to consider the optional uh, tax property tax rebate program that has been available for about two, two sessions, I believe? That's question number one, sir. If you want to respond to that, then I can ask the other question. Robert, uh, first, I do hope that those folks took advantage of the work that the legislature did to increase the limits, the assets allowed on the uh, existing property relief program that is administered through the state of Wyoming. Uh, they did great work to raise those uh, limits up to get more people in Johnson County to qualify. I don't know how many people have applied. We're gonna get that information soon. The second on the optional rebate program. That rebate program only applies to the 12 mills that the county assesses. Uh, and we could essentially offer people $56 uh, per mill uh, of assistance. Uh, and the cost of administration and other things have let it in. And at this point, I don't believe there's any county in the state uh, that is presently using it. Uh, Representative Lawley uh, had a good bill on this that would have moved that program out of our county treasurer's office and had it administered similar to the existing program that the state of Wyoming has that uh, folks can take advantage of. Uh, but at this point, uh, and candidly, when uh, the ability to provide any relief, it, when it just wasn't there, so the bank wasn't put the buck. So we haven't pursued it. It doesn't mean we can't in the future. And certainly as this, uh, this trend continues, and my house was built in 1936, so I, I get it, it's definitely uh, that rebuild cost, you know, I get it. I will be happy to visit with the, the assessor about potentially seeing if he needs to go after a different table, as you mentioned, whether it's 
a different version of Marshall and Swift's. Uh, again, that's uh, in his purview as the duly elected assessor to do that. Thank you, Commissioner. The second question parallels to that and it is directed to uh, Representative Cranko, and that would be that the legislature delegated all that responsibility to the Department of Revenue. It's uh, found in uh, Chapter 9 of one of the Rules and Regulations, quite detailed of how they use the uh, CAMA program, which is the uh, county mass assessment. I can't remember the exact name standing up here. But as I said, there are so many irregularities to how that's done. And I've got a couple of rental properties, but I also have my mother-in-law's house that I do and, and mine. There's $4,000 worth of allowance for um, washer dryer appliances. I can guarantee that none of my appliances all totaled together come up close, close to 4000 but that's just a number that's in there. You know, I look at it, you know, that's multiple tens of thousands of dollars depending on what you have. That's an example where really the, I think the delegation of that authority to DOR without oversight by the legislature is an area that can be fixed because it's not statutory. It doesn't take a constitutional change. It takes a change to say, hey, in our overwatch of what you're doing, we want this changed. Some of these things that are in here are crazy. Um, and what do you do when fair market value, according to the Supreme Court, is a willing reason, willing buyer and a willing seller in a reasonable time? If market circumstances are causing these to sell in 24 hours of listing, is that a reasonable time or is this knee-jerk reaction across the country, particularly hitting Johnson County? So we need to look at that. We're using a deviation that's been upheld by the Supreme Court as well as other jurisdictions of what is the definition of fair market value. And when we say that a house built 100 years ago is rebuilt today to the current standards, that's not what it's worth to me. Representative Crago, what can you do on the legislature to help fix the problem? Pretty, that's a pretty broad question, but thank you. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, this will give us some groundwork for, I think, a lot of the other questions we may get tonight, so it's a good, it's a good jumping off point. I think there's lots of options moving forward. I mean, Robert talks about oversight of the Department of Revenue. Um, I think that's, you know, worthwhile looking at. I mean, we, we definitely can do that. We can, but without specific examples, sometimes it's hard for us to know. Like, that's a great that's a great example on the allowance for washer and dryer. But if other people have other examples, then those are things we can dig into. That's um, the committee that deals with the Department of Revenue had meetings yesterday and today and shared it. They're tasked with oversight over the Department of Revenue. And so those are questions they can answer and that could be brought before that committee. Um, I don't know if we want the legislature deciding specifically what a washer and dryer is for, but it's a question we can ask. Um, as far as other options, I think there's a multitude of statutory things we can do. Some of them may or may not require constitutional amendment. One of them we talked about a little, just a few minutes ago, which was um, creating the fourth class of property. Well, we will all get to vote on that next year in the 2024 election on whether or not the citizens want to go that route or, or not. 
Um, I think there will be some other constitutional amendments proposed this coming session um, in, in February of next year. I don't know exactly what those look like. I think, I assume there will be an acquisition cost, which is one that's very popular. Um, a lot of people are talking about that, which then your house is just valued at whatever you pay for it. And it takes a lot of the um, work off the assessor's office, actually. Um, I think most people kind of agree that there would be some sort of um, annual escalation on, on that. So it doesn't stay there forever, but it just goes up a little bit every year, probably along with CPI or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by the idea of, for example, a statutory cap, um, which rather than putting it in the Constitution, um, there was actually a bill um, last year to have a uh, put it in the put it in the Constitution. Although I don't think actually have the rate. Um, the guy who brought it sitting over there and over there in the corner, and he had a bill actually to do that. I'm intrigued by that. Um, it didn't make it to the floor actually, and, I, and I'm, I've been thinking about that one a lot. I think that's one that could help. I think we can go back and um, I like. I like the homestead exemption. That one's easy, um, and we just you know whether it's I think the one the one we voted out of the house uh, last year had a I believe it had a fifty thousand dollar amount on it. I don't know if that's enough, but that's another example of an idea that gives immediate relief to everybody. Um, obviously, it's you know if your house is worth more, it affects your tax tax amount less, but it's the same dollar amount essentially for everybody. Um, and that one also we can do right away. It does not require a constitutional amendment. So those are all those are all ideas that can happen right away, um, could go into effect next year. Um, I, I wouldn't mind ex expanding the allowances for the, the refund program. I'm not sure it covered as many people as we were hoping um, based on the, you know, the the requirements to qualify. So that's another one we could go back and look at. But we just saw, I think we all gotta get on the same page. The legislature's gotta decide which direction they're gonna go. We all gotta work together towards that end to make it happen because this is a problem. Um, it's, a, it's a huge problem in our county. It's a huge problem in, in Sheridan County to the north. And you know, it's affecting um, certain counties more than others. There are certain counties that haven't felt the same hit that we have. Uh, a lot of the counties down the eastern side of the state have not taken, they have not seen the dramatic increases that we have. And so um, we just got to focus on that. At least I got to focus on that. And that's, you know, I, there was a lot of bills. There were 21 bills this last session. We only passed two of them. And lots of them died in committee. Um, on both sides, House and Senate. We, we didn't necessarily get to vote on that many on the floor. And so they all, most of them went to Revenue Committee, a couple of them went to Appropriations, and the majority of them died in committee. We, or died for lack of time, and we did not get to actually um, address a lot of them on the floor or get to vote on them the way we wanted to. And so the ones, the House actually, for the most part, passed most of them out that got to us. Um, but the ones that didn't make it to the floor, obviously, we couldn't do anything about that. So hopefully that answers your question, Robert. And if anybody has specific questions about a specific idea or one of those options, just let me know. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Cindy. A um, couple of things. Um, I'm going to agree with the fixed income. I think what's going on is horrendous to them. I can't even look at retirement because of the fact of all the taxes. I literally spent to the feds over 30000 last year in taxes that I was taxed, my husband and I. We're, we're two people and we paid over 30000 I actually claim married at single rate and pay an additional amount. And that's sad. When I was in California, I paid over 3000 a month in taxes between the feds and the state. And I worked out there for not very long because this is our home. When we got our last tax on our property tax, we have two pieces of property, one of our home and an adjacent piece of property that we have our horses for our granddaughters on. That one said it was gonna, our home is going to go up 500 and our, house, our other property that's adjacent touching us was going to go up 300. My husband has gone in for the last two years, asked about any kind of relief, and because we own that other piece of property and we don't have it in the same mortgage, we don't qualify. What difference should it make? Why should we wind up paying $800? <coughs> you know, it's sad that you're taxing people to the point that one, they can't look at retirement, two, young people can't look at buying homes. I mean, it, if you want to keep the people here in Wyoming, you need to make it so that they can afford to live here. We talk about keeping our young people here, and yet we don't because we don't provide them what they need. And I am going to speak to our officers. Anytime you have an inequality to the officers, it's wrong. They put their life on the line every single day. I know numbers can be changed and balanced and looked at and charts and all that to make, make it look the way a person wants to present that. I understand that. But the fact is, if they're not getting equitable amounts, it's wrong. And I don't, that's all I can say to it. But what I do want to ask about this fourth class that you just spoke about, what about these home businesses? How are you going to classify them? I know a lot of people that have home businesses. They have their business in their home. So, the home business, the home's going to get classified as residential. The home, the, the secondary part is the business. So, it's going to qualify for the home. Whatever the residential class is, that's where it would fall under. But you have zonings that allow for both. Uh, agreed. But in the tax, tax law and zoning law are two separate things, and we got to divide those out. And so, when it actually gets it gets assessed, it's going to get assessed as a home. If, if the constitutional amendment were to pass, it would fall under the residential class versus any of those other classes. That's my take on it. Thank you very much.
Hello, my name is Jan Loftus. I'm from Johnson County. And my question will be primarily for Mr. Craig, Representative Craig, since my focus is primarily at watching legislature and what they're up to. Um, one thing I learned yesterday at the Revenue Committee that I was able to be at was all counties have been hit. All are at least in the double digits and the average is 29% for the state. So we're, we're all suffering. And that would be one of my concerns is, is when we hear of these bills that are for certain people, while most people are cut out, but everybody has a concern. You know, either they're young people that we want to keep here, and we tell them to work hard and try to get ahead, but then more and more of that trying to get ahead is taken in taxes. Um, older people have been brought up, and that is a concern, but everybody is a concern. And so I don't agree with, in the United States of America, giving relief to just some and not to others. Um, those programs that passed this year, the, the bill that didn't pass, Homestead, and the bill that did um, was a change to current law on the refund program. That is um, taking from some people and giving it to others. It's a redistribution of income. And we don't agree with that in the United States of America. <laughs> what needs to happen instead is spending needs to be reduced by the legislature. There was half a billion dollars of extra money from property taxes that legislature dealt with. Half a billion dollars. And there was altogether about $2 billion that they were trying to find what to do with this year. So, oh, and the homestead exemption, I would agree with that if it was a percentage instead of a dollar amount. Like everybody got 20% off, you know, something like that. I don't know the number, but if it was a percentage rather than, because if you own a $200,000 house and you get $50,000 credit, um, that's pretty good. But if your house has zoomed up to 1.2 million or a million dollars, 50,000 doesn't mean as much. So again, it's not fair treatment, which is not American. Representative Crago, during the campaign last year, you made a promise on your mailer that you are committed to finding relief for homeowners through a fix a fix to the current broken property tax system. You did vote for these two bills that I call unequal treatment of the citizens. But again, unless you reduce spending, we're not going to see real results in this state. Your mailer said that you are a rock-solid conservative controlling spending. Yet evidence-based Wyoming, you might want to write that down and look at evidence-based Wyoming, looked at significant amendments to this year's supplementary budget and found that you voted 
for 16 out of 16 amendments that increase spending. None of the five House Democrats voted that badly. You voted against capping property tax annual increases in House Joint Resolution 2. And you explained this by saying you didn't want to mess with the Constitution. Yet you co-sponsored that very bill, which would change the Constitution. Since you tried to convince us that you would be a champion of fixing the current broken property tax system during this year's legislature, I have a four-part question, but all very similar for you. What specific bill did you sponsor or co-sponsor that would fix the current broken property tax system had it passed? Is the current broken property tax system now fixed? If not, why? If it is fixed, does that mean there is nothing for legislators to do in 2024? But if there's still work to be done, what specifically will you do to fix it? And I, I did want to mention to all of you here that for three years, there's been cap bills, caps on increases brought, and all three times killed by legislature. I don't enjoy this, but I have to say that if we want real relief, my only solution after being involved with legislature in one way or another for over a decade is that I was a volunteer lobbyist for parental rights for nine years, so that was part of it. Um, the only solution that I see is that we have to vote in more legislators who are low spenders, who want smaller government, which gives us more liberty. Hey, Jan, could you give me the four parts again? I got two and a half. Thank you. Okay, first question. What specific bill did I sponsor or co-sponsor that fixed the current broken property tax system had it passed? So the first, she referenced it as she was speaking, which was the constitutional amendment creating the fourth class of property. Um, that's the first step to making long-term reform. I think everybody, most of us believe that to get long-term reform, we're gonna have to um, do something with the with the Constitution. She talked about why did I vote against the cap. I said I did not want to put the cap in the Constitution. I would rather leave that up to the legislature to fix over time. We may we may figure, we may decide we don't like that particular cap amount. And so rather than have to go back in and change the Constitution to change the cap amount, we do that through the legislature. Start with we can pick an, an amount, whatever it is. 5%, 7%, 10%, whatever the people think is adequate. But 
But if we put it in the Constitution, then we got to go back in and do a constitutional amendment. It might be too much, it might be too low, and then it takes two year, two to three to four years to get that done. And so I voted against that amendment to put it in the actual bill. Um, so that, that's the first bill I sponsored, which is the first step to getting long-term reform. There's two different, you know, there's long-term reform and there's short-term fixes. Um, is the current property tax, tax system fixed now? No, and that's why we're all here. That's why we're still talking about it. We're not fixed. We, we need to go back and, and try it again, and I think most of us agree on that. Um, Jan asked, if it is fixed, does that mean there's nothing left to do? Um, no, there's plenty left to do. Um, and I guess, the, you know, she, why is it not fixed? It's not fixed. We, we have lots of good bills that, that fail. Um, and you know we, we can complain about the homestead exemption that it's not equal for everybody, but it would have provided tax relief for every person in this room that owns a house, every single one, on average about three hundred and thirty dollars, right off the top for everybody. Now, granted, Jan's right. It doesn't. If you if you live in a million dollar house, it's not going to give you the same tax cut that it does if you live in a two hundred thousand dollar house. But it was a solution that would have worked immediately and it would have provided tax relief. I voted for that. There's several people in this room that did not. Um, and so it died in Senate revenue. And you should probably ask Senate revenue why they did, why they killed that bill. I don't know the answer, I wasn't there. But some of the members of that committee are in this room. So some of the things that we tried to do died in the Senate. Um, and we can lay blame, we can say it wasn't perfect. There were lots of bills that weren't perfect, but they were better than nothing. And so that's part of the reason we're sitting here, is because I think lots of people wanted perfect. Some of us just wanted to do something good. And there was a specific group of people in particular that the legislature was trying, a lot of people were focused on, which were those who were lower income and could not, especially retired folks who were on fixed income that could not afford their taxes. And that's, that was our first first goal. Let's, let's protect those people. Let's make sure we're not putting the retired folks of Wyoming out of their homes. And that, that's, we did at least pass and increase the refund program, and that helped a lot of those folks. But a lot of our retired folks have too much, they, as it turns out, they have too many assets to qualify for that program. The homestead exemption would have applied to everybody, whether you're a billionaire or whether you have $5 it would have applied to everybody. And why we didn't pass it, I don't know. But I voted for it. And so I tried on that one. I can go through the list of bills. There was a lot of good bills that died. Um, House Bill 98 was the exemption, and it passed um, It passed the House 4615. Um, and then it died in Senate revenue. That was the 50,000 homeowners exemption. House Bill 99 was the refund bill. It passed um, both houses fairly easily. Um, Commissioner Novotny, he talked about Representative Lawley's deferral program, which was HB 121. Um, it, it passed um, the House 42 to 20, so by quite a few votes. Um, and it died in Senate revenue as well. Uh, House Joint Resolution, Joint Resolution 2, which was the bill I co-sponsored, um, it actually died 
in, 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 the, in the House on the floor because it takes a two-thirds vote. And when a constitutional amendment that was similar came over from the Senate, we amended House Joint Resolution 2 into Senate Joint Resolution 3, and then it became the fourth class of property. Um, and it, it, it ended up passing quite handily, actually, because it was on the last, we were now in like the last day of session, and we had not done anything except the refund program. And so the same people that voted against it the first time voted for it the second time because that's where we were. Now, there was lots of us that voted for all these bills. Um, we just were trying to get something done. But there was a lot of people who didn't, and it was mostly from the Freedom Caucus. It was mostly those folks who were voting against these bills. We all should know that. And they're, they're going to tell you that's not true, but go look up the voting records. Go check them out. Go, go for yourself. Go to yoledge.gov and check out the votes on all these tax bills on the numbers I'm giving you. Senate File 136, which also was a good bill, um, our senator from Sheridan County, Bo Whiteman, had brought that bill. Um, it came out of appropriations with the do not pass, which meant it came, went to the bottom of the file, um, the general file in the House, and so we, had, we couldn't hear it until we had heard all the other bills that had a do pass recommendation. There was a lot of us that were willing to get to that bill because that bill also provided immediate relief for everybody. And it lowered the assessment rate on homes, on residential homes from nine and a half to eight and a half, which, and I can't remember the exact dollar figure on how that would have helped everybody. It wasn't as good as the homeowner's exemption, but it did help a lot. And it would have been immediate. Um, that one, we weren't able to get to it um, because the Freedom Caucus on the last day of Committee of the Whole in the House voted to shut down debate. Um, there was a lot of us that voted against that, but the Democrats voted with the Freedom Caucus to end debate that day, so we couldn't get to that bill. There were several other good bills that we weren't able to get to. And so there was lots of options, and a lot of us voted for everyone. I can tell you, I voted for everyone that came up because I was afraid this is where we would end up, that personalities would get in the way and we wouldn't be able to pass the tax relief bill and a tax reform bill. We did at least get the reform, which is the constitutional amendment. There's lots of disagreement on what that, whether that's, you know, I think there's people telling, you know, going around talking about how that's just an opportunity for the legislature to raise taxes on homes. Well, if anybody does that, you should vote them out of office immediately. If, that, if they're gonna use the constitutional amendment to do that, and they're not down there representing you. The whole point of that bill and why I agreed to co-sponsor was it gave us the opportunity to actually address the residential problem separate from everything else because none of the other classes are having the same problem. It's residential and it's in counties like ours and Sheridan to the north. They're experiencing it at very high levels, 30%, 35% every year, the last couple of years. And so that's, that's why we did it. There's no, no deception going on there. No one wants to raise taxes. Everybody wants to lower taxes. That's the goal. We just got to agree on how we're going to do it, and we got to figure it out now. We, we, we can't go another year. We got to do our best and get it done. And I think that as far as what am I going to do next year, I'm going to try to bring people together 
I'm going to try to figure out to work with everybody, Democrats, people, people outside of um, my, my group that I work with on a daily basis. We all need to work together, every last one of us. Because if we don't, and if we don't set personalities aside, and if we don't work together, we're not going to get it done. And all of us got to do that. And we got to figure it out, and we got to get together probably before session and say, what can we agree on? And where can we go? Um, and in, instead of trying to figure out which bill once we get there, figure out whose name's on it and whether it should pass because of whose name's on it. Instead, let's figure it, let's put all our names on it and let's get it done. And that's what I'll try to do, Jan, to figure out how to solve the problem. Uh, my name is Byron Geis. Um, I don't know how to follow that, but I want to thank these two. Um, I think this is a pretty sincere opening um, of people trying to solve problems. And I think I'm a little bit different, um, obviously, than a lot of the people that have talked. I think um, I have kids in the schools, kids in this community. Um, I do feel for fixed incomes and raising taxes. Um, you made a lot of these plans 20, 30 years ago to retire, right? And I think everybody understands that, and these people are looking for a solution as well. Um, on the cut spending of government, um, I guess uh, I was on the fair board for 11 years. Um, I'm no longer on that, but um, the government is not an isolated entity. They don't produce their own diesel. They don't produce their own motor graders. Um, they don't produce all the things that we put into these government facilities and uh, buildings. So some of that is out of their control. Obviously we can stop um, maintaining our buildings. We can stop doing some different things. Um, but I, I think we have to put that into perspective. Also in, in some of this pamphlet that was uh, given out, there was talk about uh, largest government per capita of Wyoming. Absolutely, because we have the, like, the least amount of people. And we all don't want neighbors, or I, I don't, that's why I choose to live here in a, in a place that we have space. And so I guess in my thoughts and putting all that in perspective is, if you want lower per capita, go to somewhere where there's more people and they'll spread your taxes around. Um, as far as, uh, some of this other stuff goes, I think uh, if there's an opportunity um, for somebody to, to punch holes in the ability of people or, or the ability of government, um, I, think, I think there's a struggle. And I think these two are sincere. I like to think that most people are sincere in what they're trying to do. But these people are genuinely trying to help and uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that, but I'm getting people cleared out of here. Um, I am Sophia uh, Michaels, and tonight you guys are both my representative, whether I voted for you or not, but I am a face of low income in this community, and neither one of you 
are in that bracket. So what I would like you to do is take my face back to your groups and work harder. Because without that face, you guys aren't working. I might have to get up my house because of taxes. That is not fair. I work at the senior center, and a lot of those people I work for can't afford to live anymore. They have to make a choice between food and medicines. And where do those people go when they don't have their home? They can't afford any hold. There's no other places in town. What about rent capping for people? Someone who makes $12 an hour cannot afford to live in this town. But yet, there's all these businesses who need people to make $12 an hour. But none of you have their face in mind when you're making budget choices.
meet my needs. Paid uh, nine bucks the other day for a, for a box of uh, cornflakes. Nine bucks. I'd like to have part of that $50,000 that I just mentioned to pay for those cornflakes. At any rate, did you know that during the Roman Empire, taxes were so oppressive, folks were immigrating, leaving, departing the country. And if they were caught, they killed them. So I guess we should feel lucky that uh, uh, we just have to live with the tax, tax structure that is so complicated and so long and so uh, uh, complicated that, uh, um, that we are not going to get our heads uh, cut off. I went to uh, the joint uh, revenue committee in Sheridan yesterday. The legislature has an appropriations committee and they have revenue committee. Those are the two committees that uh, decide what and how much taxes to, to come up with and how much money to spend. Um, down, in, down in the legislature, there's 62 representatives. Five of them are Democrats. 31 of them are non-freedom caucus. I'll just call them rhinos. And 26 of them are, are uh, true uh, conservatives, true Republicans. Now, now during that during that committee meeting, uh, revenue committee meeting yesterday, about a third of that committee was Republicans. Two thirds of them were uh, big spenders big government, and then the leaders of those committees are vehemently opposed to not raising they, they really want those taxes raised high. And we had a couple, uh, couple people, a couple citizens that didn't want those taxes uh, raised, and they spoke unlike the folks back here that like their taxes. Some of, some of the people spoke that they didn't want their taxes raised, and then the audience clapped, and then the, and the leader, the leader of the committee, Harshman, big time rhino, he reprimanded the audience, and he reprimanded the uh, 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 people wanting to uh, have their voices voices heard. So, um, you know, when, when Mr. Crego talks, talk, talks about uh, them down there trying to lower taxes, they're not trying to lower taxes. Don't, don't bet on it at all. Um, uh, my, my question is, and I think I've already got the answer from these two gentlemen up here, you know, rather Rather than giving me the 10 reasons 
why you can't do something. Give me one reason why you can lower my taxes. That's the bottom line. Is, is I, 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 I voted for this, I voted for that. Uh, this happened, that happened. Uh, it's not my fault. I, I'm just going with the results. I want my taxes reduced. So, so the purpose of this presentation isn't to um, so much change your actions because you'll try to explain why your actions. I'm, I'm, my purpose is to, to change your heart. I want you to truly, truly try to lower the taxes. Truly, uh, truly look out for these people. Honestly, the uh, average, the average American is really hurting. COVID put a hurt locker on, on all of us. Then you throw in inflation on top of that, and then lo and behold, Johnson County raises your your taxes uh, four or five hundred bucks this year and four or five hundred bucks last year. And, but, but hey, we voted against this and against that and nothing I could do. I don't want to do that. I, I want your heart to change so that you truly, that you truly try to abolish uh, these laws that are, are making this tax system and other things. I, they have something like 300 bills every session down there. We got perversion in the libraries and uh, all you know all sorts of stuff and uh, and you can bet the 26 out of the 31 true uh, uh, Republicans are, are down there trying their uh, trying their best to stop some of this stuff, but they're they're stopped by the uh, the speak they're, they're stopped by the um, the, the Senate leader and the, and the uh, House leader, and they, what these leaders do is they'll put the good bills in their drawers, then they won't uh, pull them out and they'll die. Or if they are voted on, then they'll add amendments saying, oh yeah, that's a good bill, we'll do that, but we're going to put an amendment of $6 billion expenditure share on top of that. So all, all you got to do is vote, vote that in, and for that $6 billion, you got this problem solved. So they have little tricks like that. And uh, um, if, you ever, if you ever watched the uh, Senate during the, they run about two months, and if you go on why, why legislation.com and watch these different committees, it, it just, I mean, just break your heart on uh, what these guys are uh, doing for our doing for our state. But uh, um, <clears throat> Mr. Craigle and and uh, Mr. Novotny, I want I want your heart to change. I want you to really look out for us and and come back with results rather than I couldn't do this and couldn't do that. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Loftus. I would just encourage everybody in the room, go check out the votes for yourself. Go to wildledge.gov, pull up the tax bills, and see what people voted on. See where people voted. 
Go check it out yourself. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Don't take my word for it. It's very easy. Wildledge.gov, and you can pull up every bill that we voted on. You can see every vote I have taken. Please do. And if you see one you don't like, call me. Let's talk about it. I'm not afraid of that. And I don't depend on some website to tell you how I voted. I depend on the facts. So please go to the website, check it out, give me a call. I'm glad to listen and chat. I'll tell you why I did it. You, we may not agree, but at least I'll tell you why I did it. And you can tell me why I was wrong, why you think I was wrong, and we can have a discussion about maybe we do something different going forward. And you can, I'm willing to learn. And that's what you should be as an elected. Listen to your people. You can learn a lot from your people. You can learn everything from your people. And so check it out yourself. Don't believe some website that can, you know, as they say, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And so that's often what we get into on all this political stuff when people start putting stuff on websites. Just go check it out yourself. You don't need a website to check it out. You need the facts. It's on wildledge.gov. Go check it out. Mr. Bill, Greg Oak, thanks. Uh, my name is John Dorbus. I've been a resident here in Johnson County since 2005. I grew up in Douglas. Um, 2007, we started building our home, finished it, $200,000. My tax bill was $1,041. This year, I got a tax bill for $3,200. Three times, $3,200, $300 a month in 10 years. If I extrapolate that out and I'm a retiree, I have a little business, but it doesn't make much money, but basically a retiree on a fixed income. If I extrapolate that out 20 years, I'm paying $3,000 a month or $1,000 a month for property taxes. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel like I'm just a tenant and the government owns my home. And that's, in my opinion, that's not right. We need to return personal property back to the person. And so, in, in my career, I was always told, if I have a problem, come with a solution. So, uh, Mr. Novotny, I know locally there's some things that uh, I think you can do and push. One is to talk to with the treasurer and push the, the ability for those of us that have these exacerbated property taxes to pay those monthly. If we could submit automatic payments to the treasurer, how many of us would opt out of escrow and save uh, save the homeowners escrow money? With, with today's computers and the, the online payments, that should be fairly easy. The second one for Mr. Novotny is those families and those persons who are on fixed Social Security incomes, 
you know, the $900 widows that get $900 a month and they own their home? Give them a coupon and get rid of their taxes. You can do that as a county commissioner. It may touch your budget a little bit, but just do away with it. It's means-based. I mean, it, people who are making not retirees or widows who are making $900 a month in Social Security, just forgive those taxes. At the legislative level, just do away with residential property tax, period. Just end it. They'll take a constitutional amendment, but what I'm proposing is this, is that it's a sales tax. When you buy a home, you pay 10, 20, I'd even go 25% sales tax on your home that's prorated for 30 years with those payments going to the treasurer every month. And if you sell your house for a bonus, guess who pays that higher rate? The guy who paid the extra money for your house. And then the last one, Mr. Gringo, is, is there any way to equalize the amount of property tax paid by residents, residentials, and ag? I saw a huge disparity. Ag is 1%, and we're in the 40% for residential. Is there a way legislatively to balance that or bring one of those up? Because there's a lot of land, but not a lot of houses. Thank you for your time. Thanks, John. So I'll answer your last question first, which is the ag versus residential. So any home that's on an ag homestead so let's say it's a ranch house out in the middle of nowhere, they still pay residential rates on that house. So it's as if that house is sitting in the middle of downtown Buffalo. So that the difference is they're paying ag rates on the actual ag production land. The home gets taxed as the same as any other house in the county. So on the ag land, I'm probably not gonna be a good proponent of that. Um, I, I don't wanna raise taxes, I'm trying to lower taxes. Um, so, probably not on that one. But here, here's what I will say. I appreciate you coming up here and giving us things to think about, John. I mean, that's what I appreciate. These, you gave us four things. Like, these are ideas we can move forward on. and. Mr. Williams brought us an idea too. Now, we may not all agree on those ideas, but I appreciate Chris bringing in an idea, okay? It's an idea for the commissioner to think about. Now, they may not do it. I may not, I just told you I don't agree with one of your ideas, but at least you came with an idea. And I think that's what we gotta do. I mean, as, as, a, as a group of people, as Johnson County and Sheridan County people in this room, we gotta come up with ideas. And instead of being mad, Let's get, let's get to ideas, um, because that's how we're gonna get the problem solved. As far as the, as far as the do away with the residential, there was, we actually had a bill on this last, this last session. It was a residential property tax transfer tax. Um, residential transfer tax. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm a pro proponent of that, but it's something we can at least think about. I, I don't disagree, it's just a lot of people aren't going to, I don't know how we, 
how we figure out how to pay that high of a tax rate up front. But it's something to think about. It's an idea, and it's one we should consider moving forward. I don't, the way it's structured right now, I you know obviously that would take a, a constitutional amendment too, but it's like all these things we've talked about, all the good ideas and all the hard ideas that are actually going to give us long-term fixes are going to be hard to get done. We just, but we got to start somewhere because the problem is not going away. People are not going to quit moving to Wyoming, and they're not going to quit paying a lot for homes in Wyoming. All of us can sell our houses probably right now for more than they're being assessed for. I mean, that's just where we are, and it's going to continue and continue and continue. And so we got to keep working on that. And so I think Bill had a couple answers for you too, but thank you, John. Yeah, John, thank you again for your service to our country and also for your service on the special district. You were a trustee. Uh, in regards to the treasurer and paid monthly, we'd have to go in and again look at the state statutes because the state statutes stipulate the three times a year that people pay property taxes. So folks, absolutely. Uh, if you've got a mortgage, typically your bank is going to escrow your uh, property taxes as well as your uh, insurance, which is a savior for a lot of us who are trying to budget. But I'll certainly see that. In regards to this coupon that you mentioned, uh, point me to where it is in the statute, because I'm not familiar with where in the state statute I'm allowed to give out a coupon. In, but I, we, we can visit after, and I know we're trying to be very respectful of the school district's time. They kept this building open for us. Uh, you want to take maybe one more? and um, So we'll hear from Mr. Carmichael again one more time, and, uh, and then we uh, Sometimes, Bill, you just got to act. Sometimes by forcing an issue, you can create a situation that the legislature will then have to address. And I'm asking you for that leadership. Create the situation that forces the issue so that we can get something fixed. Or at the county level. Or at the county level. Thanks, John. So we're going to hear from Bonnie Google, who comes from a long line of county commissioners. Well, I was just going to say that that I am a pioneer of family of Johnson County. Uh, my great grandfather started here in the 1800s, so I'm really into this county, and I love this town. Uh, what I want to say is, I'm on a fixed income. My taxes went up. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay them all, but do I want to give up the school? Do I want to give up the library? Do I want to give up the fairgrounds? Do I want to give up the Johnson County Rec District that gives out money to different programs in this town that you all get to enjoy? So we got to figure out a way. If we're not going to pay property taxes, where's that money going to come from? It has to come from somewhere, and so we have to figure that out rather than just say, let's kill our property taxes. So that's all I need to say. Okay, I'm sorry to introduce myself first time. My name is Jeff Carmichael. In full disclosure, I will tell you that I moved here from California, from a small county, ag agricultural county in northeastern I just have some observations, no questions. Uh, one thing that I can guarantee you is that if you go along with 
tax increases, that will guarantee you that there will be another one behind it, another one behind it, and another one behind it. And another thing with tax increases, and I'll try to keep this short, is it, whether it's ag land or uh, residential, as the taxes go up, there's a line where it just doesn't pencil. If you're trying to produce on ag land, it just doesn't pencil. You can't, you can't pay the taxes. And I can speak with some knowledge of this. So you end up, you end up selling out to somebody, and that somebody comes in and they subdivide that ag land, and then they can pay the taxes. And that's what you're going to have here in Johnson County, is people that are affluent, financially secure, that, that doesn't matter to you. And they're gonna be the ones that come in and buy up the properties that you can't afford to pay the taxes on. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of increasing ag taxes because, I mean, just, just in general, it has to pencil. If it doesn't pencil, it won't be ag land anymore. It'll be subdivided land. I don't want to see that. I didn't want to see that where I came from. I don't want to see it happen here. Uh, as far as, I want to try to keep this from being personal, but as far as these tax bills that got voted down by the Freedom Caucus. I'm not sure it was the tax bill that got voted down or the amendments that got attached to it. And Mr. Prego, I think you should have a pretty good understanding of that. It's not that hard to put a poison pill amendment on a bill and then, and then get the Freedom Caucus to vote against. That's as personal as I'll get on that. Uh, and because I'm not very good at speaking publicly and I can't write things down, I can't remember. So that's it. Um, I will keep this brief. I got a lot of notes, but I'll reduce it down to one question to you, Barry, because this upcoming session is a budget session. And um, can you give us an assurance that we will get two-thirds of the vote to bring property taxes up for a vote in the next session? And if not, would you be willing to start and request a special session in order to do that prior to the legislature? Okay. And I'm Thanks, Laura. So, no, I can't guarantee I, I can't tell you what anybody else is going to do. I can tell you what I'm going to do, which I'm going to vote for tax relief bills that come up. I don't care who's bringing them. I'm going to vote for them. As far as the special session, the timing's not going to work out because if we don't, my hope is that we're able to do some stuff that actually applies going the other direction. And by that, I mean applies to that tax year, tax year 2024. And we're already going to be into 2024, so the, the special session isn't going to wouldn't do us any good. So the answer to that is no. I won't. I won't ask for a special session or sign on to that. At least not sitting here today. I mean, if, if you and I talked about it and we thought of some 
reason why we should, then maybe. I mean, I'm not saying I'll never do it. It's just sitting here tonight, it doesn't, that does not make sense. But what I can do is tell you I'm going to work on it personally. I probably will have some bill drafts of my own. I'll help some other people. Will you twist up arms for us in the legislature this year to get this done? I'll twist mine and anybody else that'll listen to me. I'm not big enough to twist a whole lot of arms, but I'll see what I can do. But I, I don't think, I mean, well, this is just, this, I've said this multiple times since session, I, we didn't do our job. Like, I, I'm the first one to admit, we didn't get done what we needed to get done. And so we're gonna have to go back and do it again. And I think people understand that. I think there's even more immediacy this year than there was last year. And I think across the board, all the legislators are feeling that. I mean, we just, it goes back to my statement a little bit ago. We have to work together, not against each other, if we're going to get this done. This, the legislature, in particular the House, has got to work together to figure out a solution moving forward that helps everybody, because we're in it together. And so that's, you know, that's going to be my goal. Do I think we can do that? Yeah, because we all need to. There's a lot of people, there's several legislators, I can't count them all, that are sitting in this room tonight. Um, and I think every one of them in this room, if I ask them to come up and say, are we gonna work on property taxes? They're all gonna say yes. We just gotta figure out what that path looks like and not fight about it and get it done. Hopefully this is our last question because we, we kind of reserve the room till eight and I don't want to make the school district employees sit around here too long. Um, I, so we'll do one more and then we'll call it call it a night. Well, my name is Neil Ingram. I am not from Johnson County. I'm from Sheridan County and attended that uh, meeting yesterday. And I just, I just want to say a couple of things here. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I've owned 18 businesses. I've been self-employed my entire life. I'm over 80 years old. And what I've seen in this, I love Wyoming. I've been here 15 years. My wife was Judge Perry's court reporter here. We're, we, are, we are grounded in Wyoming. I look at these problems, and we have the same problem you all have. I mean, we're, we're gonna be taxed out of our homes. One thing I want you to remember is this. Everybody, I mean, the things that I'm seeing is people are looking right here in front of themselves and they're talking, all I'm hearing is Band-Aid fix over here, a Band-Aid fix here, and a Band-Aid fix here. One of the things we must realize is that we are in, we are being governed at the federal level by people that hate, that hate gas, coal, and oil. And if you think, if you think the revenue is, is okay now, and they, and they get all of this money in Wyoming from, this, from the, the mineral revenues, get ready folks. It's gonna get worse year after year after year. We gotta stop looking here and start looking here because it's that even if we even if we were to, to elect the most conservative president, they have they have buried the heads of these snakes so deep 
into our constant, into our, into our uh, government. I mean, if if you had your eyes open, they they'd be a little trumped to the point that he couldn't get done what he really wanted to get done in four years. He needed he needed another four to clean house and cut the heads off some of these snakes. Never got done, and we all know why. These guys up here are trying, but they're 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 in a losing battle as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to give you an example of what happened to me in Gillette. We moved here from Gillette after my wife retired uh, as Judge Perry's court reporter. I attended a I attended a meeting, the Republican meeting there, and the president of the Gillette College was at that meeting, and he was there to to beg to beg the legislature for $2 million to build another building on the Gillette campus. And I sat there and listened to this guy, and I finally had had enough, and I stood up and I said, look, doctor, you've got a marketing class, don't you? Don't you teach marketing at the Gillette Community College? And he said, yes. I said, well then, why, why are you here begging for $2 million for a building when your professor could take those students out in the marketing class and approach every corporation in Gillette for, for money to, and put their name on a stone in front of that building? And he looked at me and he said, uh, well, we don't operate that way. And I said, Bingo. That's your problem. Every time you go to the school system, they just unload on you. And, and that's wrong. It's not right because the taxpayers, you people, me, right here in this building, are the ones that are, that are, that are backing the legislation up. Look what is happening in the, in the, at, at our university in Wyoming right now. If you don't know what's going on there, check it out. And we're and I know there probably isn't one person in this room that is happy that what's going on in, 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 in at the University of Wyoming. Makes me sick to my stomach when I when I see the, when I see the truth. Sick to my stomach. But anyhow, there's all kinds of ways to solve these problems and I think the legislature can start by tightening up and getting some, some input from citizens and other groups on how to fix some of these solutions so we're not spending the money because we know we have a spending problem. And boy, is it coming. When these gas and oil revenues drop, I mean, how many of you know that we can't, we can't even sell or take our coal through the state of Washington or Oregon to put it on a boat and ship it to Japan. Japan would buy it and South Korea would buy it until hell freezes over and they'll pay big money for it. We can't do it. Those are the battles we need to fight. If, you're, if we're looking like this, that's the battle we need to fight and get on it too. I mean, there's a lot of battles here, but, but 
that the structure has got to be changed. We've got to change the structure. Uh, I personally like Proposition 13. That's what California did. When you buy the house, you qualified for that amount of money, including the impounds on the on the on the monthly payment. That's where it should stop. That tax, if you own that house for 10 years, 15, 20 years, it's the same until you decide to sell it or you die and somebody else comes in and buys it, then the tax is adjusted at that point to whatever it is on the level. And they either qualify or they don't qualify and they can fight it out. <coughs> now we're done with it. Thanks, Neil. So I just want to thank everybody for coming tonight. Um, I'm always open for phone calls, emails, questions, feel free. Um, if we want to talk state property tax relief, I'm not the county guy, that's him sitting next to me, but feel free to reach out to me if you have ideas, let me know. Um, I want to thank uh, Mr. Mader and Mr. Oski for being here tonight and opening up the auditorium for us, uh, getting the lights work, working, which is more complicated than you would think. So there's a lot of uh, stage lights, so let's give them a round of applause. And just thanks to the school in general. Thanks, thanks again for y'all coming. See you next time.